0: We're going to get some violence down under this weekend, and I'm not just talking about the crocodiles and the drinking culture. The UFC is back in Straya, and it's a card with more Aussies and Kiwis than a rugby-based barbecue. Seriously, though, the matchups on this one are awesome, and we're going to showcase some excellent Oceanian rising stars, as well as, of course, a big middleweight title main event to enjoy. I'm Max from MMA on Point. Thank you so much to our Hall of Famers and Channel Champion YouTube members for their support, and this is The Unfamiliars for UFC 293. Before we begin, just a gentle reminder that I do call New Zealand home, and I am going to be incredibly biased in my picks, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Opening up the prelims at 170, we have Kevin Jusset taking on Kiefer Crosby. Kiefer Crosby might sound like a familiar name to you if you've got any Bellator fans on your Twitter feed, because Big Daddy Crosby is a seven-fighter veteran of the House of Scott Coker's mediocre rear Naked Chokers. Born in Dublin, Ireland, and as such a member of John Kavanagh's SBG and a teammate of Conor McGregor, Kiefer Crosby was one of the early wave of SBG fighters invading Bellator, along alongside the likes of James Gallagher, Charlie Ward, and everyone's least favorite non-Irishman Dylan Dennis Crosby comes from a similar background as his teammate McGregor, struggling to make a living in Ireland, saying, notably, he couldn't even afford milk for his daughter's cereal as recently as 2018, on a 140 euro per week welfare check. Crosby says he has been at rock bottom numerous times in his life, and that's his motivation to train harder than anyone else and scrap for his living. Dragging himself up through the local scene fighting in Bama and Bellator, among others, to a respectable 10-3 record. Crosby found himself with the opportunity to get himself on one of those silly exhibition boxing cards with like OnlyFans girls and YouTubers and reality TV stars. And hopefully he got himself paid well for a decision win over this Geordie Shore geezer. I guarantee Crosby is the first and only person to get a UFC contract straight after beating up a reality TV star. Nonetheless, he does get that shot here opening up the prelims. Crosby is a big wide lad for 170 pounds. He's got good striking instincts with an inside boxing game. He's also shown some slick grappling knowledge in the rare occasion that his fights actually hit the mat despite it not being his bread and butter, like this 50-50 sweep to gain top position and get back to his feet. He's had real trouble with his defensive boxing at times and he's been extremely hittable, but he does seem to have come on leaps and bounds with his head movement and his defense in general. Genuinely just a much better fighter than he was three or four years ago. Kevin Jusay is the latest CKB fighter to take the UFC stage, but not from New Zealand, from France. Ooh la la. A true world traveler, Jusse grew up in France where at the age of four, his parents encouraged him to start judo because he had too much energy. So why not use some of it to learn how to dump fools on their heads? Making his way to Scotland, where he worked for 18 months as a waiter to try and learn English. Imagine going to Scotland to try and learn English. Jusei eventually found himself in Australia and then New Zealand, where he now trains in Auckland under Eugene Behrman and alongside other city kickboxing scrappers. If you, like me, have ever had the dubious honour of grappling with a French judoka, you know they're properly scary bastards. So Jusei always knew he could grapple with the best of them, but now training alongside some world-class strikers has really rounded out his game. Coming up through the ranks in Aussie and Kiwi promotions like Hex and Eternal, would you say faced Jack Della Madalena in just his 7th month as a professional martial artist. He was beaten that night by stoppage for cuts and he has one other loss by split decision but other than that 8 excellent wins have showcased his skills. A judo 2nd degree black belt and a jiu-jitsu purple belt, his grappling is great to watch. There's a reason his name is Air say with lots of lovely foot sweeps and throws from the clinch and some massive slamming double legs too. He will send you flying. He also has some nasty transitions and double attack submissions on the mat too. Look at this transition into a reverse triangle with a Kimura. He's always trying to grab more than one thing to threaten you with at a time. On the feet, he's less aggressive, but he times his counter striking very well with good rangy straight punches. He's happy to stay on the outside and stick and move. If you come at him too aggressively and end up with a clinch, he will pepper you with knees and he will fling you down to the mat. So he will be looking to use Crosby's aggressiveness against him in this one. Kiefer will have a big strength and striking advantage, I think, and you say it's grappling I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. should be a much higher level, so it's a good fun matchup. Crosby is going to come out looking to land heavy punches early, and if he can do that, the knockout is on the cards. But if Jusse can avoid that power, I do think he has the advantage in a lot of areas here. I can see him making Crosby's night rough in the clinch and in the grappling exchanges, so I'm going to take Kevin Jusse, I'll say by decision. Next up at Featherweight, we have Shane Young taking on Gabriel Miranda. My boy Shane Young takes the stage again with big stakes. After losing three in a row, he definitely needs a victory here. You may remember Shane for beating up that tattooed dickhead Julie in a viral clip having possibly the most harsh debut in UFC history against Alex bloody Volkanovski and for his powerful hucker in weigh-in and face-offs. And you might also know him for displaying some excellent heart and willingness to brawl in his UFC wins over Rolando D and Austin Arnett. He's got excellent kickboxing in that CKB mold. He's got great pressure and high volume with a really good jab on him, but he does absorb a lot of strikes as well. He's never been in a boring fight or a boring weigh-in, and he's looking to put on a show for Aotearoa and get back into the win column here. Gabriel Miranda, no, that isn't in McCall, is making his sophomore effort in the Big Show after a disastrous debut a year ago in Paris. This mustachioed masterpiece from Brazil started his journey as a jiu-jitsu guy, winning state championships in Curitiba from every belt level all the way up to black, and watching his career you can tell, 15 submission wins out of 16, that's 94% and he's never been tapped either. Working up through the regional MMA scene in Parana and Sao Paulo, Miranda has had some seriously dodgy matchmaking go his way. Over half his wins are against guys with losing records or making their debut, and his last fight before. For his UFC call-up was against a 5-and-5 fighter who hadn't fought in 6 years. That's not nice. His call-up to the Big Show was very much out of the blue last year in Paris, getting put up against the absolute monster Benoit Saint-Denis and getting mauled in less than two rounds, knocked down three times and KO'd. Not a very good way to start your UFC run, and a year later, almost to the day, he's going to take his second chance here. Like I said, very much a traditional jiu-jitsu special. He's not afraid to pull guard and even hits the old Gracie technical stand-up sometimes. His wrestling definitely leaves a lot to be desired, but from the guard, he is a danger. He's got very active legs, and yeah, 94% of the time, if he's winning, it's by submission. Honestly if Miranda is as content to stand with Shane as he was to stand with Benoit Sandini I can see it going very similarly. Shane isn't as wild or aggressive as Sandini on the feet but he is clinical and he's got the power as well. Shane has good takedown defense and Miranda's wrestling is not a strong suit so if it's gonna get to the ground it's gonna be if Miranda gets taken down or knocked down. So as long as Shane doesn't do anything silly like jump into a guillotine I can see Shane Young getting the win by TKO here. Next up at 170, Blood Diamond takes on Charlie Radke. Blood Diamond has not lived up to the hype so far in the UFC, and like his teammate Carlos Olberg's first few UFC bouts, the kickboxer just hasn't been able to translate his ability into MMA yet. But his ability on the feet is very solid. Go watch his runs through King in the Ring tournaments, which is the premier New Zealand combat sports tournament right now and it birthed the careers of Izzy, Dan Hooker, Olberg. He was great fun to watch there. In his UFC run though he's basically just been out grappled. And yeah, this is the go-to move against a guy coming into the UFC with only three MMA bouts to his name. With powerful head kicks at close range, powerful clinch strikes, he's dangerous to strike with for sure but he is nowhere near as technical as his colleagues like Olberg and Adesanya. He's a lot wilder and he definitely needs to show better takedown defense to keep the fight in his wheelhouse if he wants to stay in the UFC. Charlie Radke or as he prefers to be known, Chuck Buffalo is making his UFC debut here after a four-fight win streak that saw him capture the Cage Fury welterweight title back in April. Raki is super clean and composed everywhere the fight goes. He doesn't throw in combination on the feet, but he has very good fundamentals, decent power in his hands as well, and for my money, he's got really underrated jujitsu. He's a good high-level black belt with lots of footage from Nogi tournaments on YouTube. He's got a very nice passing game and some dangerous submissions, which is how he won gold in Cage Fury. I really like how this guy fights, and while he has struggled earlier in his career down at 155. Moving up to welterweight has done wonders for the guy. He is undefeated at that weight class. Also, if he wins and he does get a chance on the mic, he is hilarious. Probably going to say something very rude and call someone out. Radke obviously has the more well-rounded game in this one and he's going to want to grapple, I think. Blood Diamond is just too dangerous on the feet and Radke is hittable. He's been wobbled before at 170 and knocked out at lightweight. So any of Blood Diamond's head kicks or clenched knees could spell the end of the night. Even though Radke has really good He is not a takedown artist by any means and his whole Cage Fury run he did not attempt a single takedown. So it is possible he might decide to have a crack at striking with Blood Diamond here. As much as I'd love a big knockout for the CKB guy, I do think Radke just has way more past the victory here and that's what I always have to pick. So I'll take Charlie Radke by decision. Next up at 155, Nazareth Hackparas takes on Landon Quinones. Halal Kelvin Gastelum enters his sixth year in the UFC with some solid wins, but struggling to get past that next level of fighters with losses to Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, and Drew Dober. But at 14 and five, with six UFC wins, and now a settled competitor in this lightweight division, Hackparas is for sure a hard test for anyone making their debut. Enter Landon Quinones, the lone wolf fighting out of Florida. He made an appearance on his last season of Tough, losing early to Jason Knight by submission. Picking up fighting at age. 17 to get out of bad habits and drug and alcohol problems, Quinonez had a rough amateur career going 4 wins and 4 losses, but he never gave up and since turning pro he's maintained a solid career record of 7-1 and one, all in Titan FC where he became their lightweight champion. A striker by trade, Quinonez has lovely stab kicks to the body and good calf kicks as well and when he's the hammer and pressuring forward he does excellent work with his hands. He overwhelmed a lot of opponents with that pressure and 5 of his 7 wins have come by way of knockout. He's not afraid of the mat at all with lovely powerful double legs off the cage and recently took part in and won a grappling match for titan fc as well but against jason knight we did see that submission defense isn't a strong point he was way too eager to deal damage from guard and ended up getting caught in a triangle early this is a bit of a rough one for as he's stepping in on two or three weeks notice against a way more experienced and way more high level guy he is a fun striker to watch good on pressure but against the guy who has that much more experience in nazrat Hakparast. whether or not Hakparast won or lost in those fights he has fought seriously high High level guys, and that's worth a lot in my opinion. I'm gonna take Nazrat Hack Press. I'll say he gets it done by decision. Couple more familiar guys here. Jamie Malaki takes on John mcdessey Australia's toughest man, Jamie Malaki's back again, continuing his run of losing badly, winning a few good fights, and then losing badly again. But really, Malaki is still getting better and better, I think. He came up against a rising murderer last time and got caught, but that happens at this level, as we know. And he's four and four in the UFC against mostly high level guys. He's looking to make a statement of intent in this one against an older veteran in John McDessie. McDessie's UFC career is now old enough to be in high school and he suffered some bad knockouts in that time against Cowboy Cerrone, Lando Venata. This one's just going to be two tough dudes having a little stand up scrap I reckon and in this instance I think McDessie is a step slower than Malaki. He's 10 years more shop worn and Jamie does hit hard so I think I am just based on that going to take Jamie Malarkey. I'll say he gets it done by decision as well. Next up at 145 I am really excited for this one. Jack Jenkins takes on Chepe Mariscal. If you're not on the jack jenkins hype train yet boys and girls bloody well jump on because it's already in motion two fights deep into his ufc career he's shown such a high level of ability such a fun style some beautiful murderous leg kicks and a filthy filthy mustache training under lachlan giles in jiu-jitsu out of absolute mma you know he's got some slick grappling in his back pocket as well and yes he has broken five legs with his calf kicks in his career so i hope all his future opponents are practicing their checks growing up in cicero illinois chepe mariscal's Parents put him into martial arts classes for self-defense as young as six, and by the time he was nine, he was snuck into an MMA bout and saw his first knockout live. This guy has wanted to do this for his whole life. When we talk about mixing the martial arts, he's done it. Judo black belt, Japanese jiu-jitsu black belt, wrestled in college, Golden Gloves boxing champion, a member of the USA kickboxing team, and a Pan-American kickboxing champion, and a winner of the prestigious iMMAF, amateur MMA World Championships. This guy has won gold in pretty much every aspect of mixed martial arts and had an outrageous 18-1 amateur record. Even in his early pro career, he went up against the likes of Gregor Gillespie, Bryce Mitchell. He actually fought six UFC fighters before he even made it to the UFC. After a 10-6 pro career, he hit his stride going on a three-fight KO win streak in LFA, Cage Warriors, and Combate America before getting the call-up back in June to the big show. So he's bringing a four-fight streak into this one in his first pay-per-view appearance. Training at Elevation Fight Team, being a specific sparring partner of Justin Gaethje, you can imagine this dude is not your average UFC newbie. He's been around the block. Do yourself a favor, go watch his debut against Trevor Peake on Fight Pass. I have no idea how it didn't win fight of the night. It was a wild brawl. Mariscal showed some beautiful judo throws in the first round. He stalked and slapped Peak like seven times. It was beautiful to watch. Mariscal will smack you about on the feet and when you desperation clinch. Surprise, surprise, he's got a judo black belt so he will trip you on your ass. He is high, high level and this is a sneak fight of the night for me honestly. Jenkins has the advantage in the striking technique but Mariscal is wild and powerful. Mariscal might have the wrestling and judo advantage but Far Jack's jiu-jitsu is not to be trifled with. Seriously this is a total banger. It's a complete pick and fight for me. Two really good up and coming guys. There's nothing to separate them so just because they're in Australia I will take Jack Jenkins the local boy. I'll say he gets it done by decision annual final prelim of the night at 2.05, Carlos Olberg takes on Daun Jung. This one's going to be fireworks, I reckon. Two big, powerful kickboxers with knockouts galore on their records. The Black Jag is now on a four-fight win streak with some huge knockouts and a performance of the night bonus last time out, and Da Jung is probably the best striker he's going to have faced so far in the UFC. Jung is big and extremely powerful, but Olberg is definitely going to have the speed and movement advantage. Olberg definitely still has a cardio issue. It cost him his UFC debut, and it's nearly cost him after that as well, but as long as he can stay safe from the power shots of Jung and not gas early, I think he's going to make a statement here, so I will take Carlos Olberg by knockout. Opening up the main card, light heavyweight Tyson Pedro takes on Anton Turcali. Tyson Pedro's renaissance since moving to CKB hit a roadblock in the form of Modestus Bukowskis last time out, but those two massive knockouts he hit in 2022 are still fresh in the memory, and training with high-level kickboxes has advanced his game leaps and bounds. Anton Turcali, apart from being a very funny lad and great fun to watch fight, just hasn't proved he's up to the task at this level so far going oh and two in the big show he's a capable striker and there should be a bit of a banger but i do reckon pedro just lands a power shot early and gets it finished so i'll take tyson pedro again by knockout Next up, a big boy rematch, we have Justin Taffer taking on Austin Lane. 30 seconds into these lads fighting back in June, an eye poke ended the fight prematurely and everyone went home sad and empty without a heavyweight knockout to rock them gently to sleep. So we're flying halfway across the world to do it again, and this time hopefully they can keep their digits to themselves. Austin Lane started training MMA like most large American men as cross-training during the football off-season, unlike most large American men. He did actually play in the NFL. He was a fifth-round draft pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then I stopped talking about American football because I haven't. I I just don't. I don't know anything. When that sport didn't work out for him, he had MMA in his back pocket as a fallback plan. He's 12 wins, three losses now, and definitely has the ability in the fight game. But those three losses were huge, huge knockouts. So we know his chin is findable. It just isn't too much to analyze here for me. Just two big boys who swing heavy. Lane might be slightly quicker and cleaner and longer but Justin Taffer has that Mark Hunt thing of just walking forward and finding the hook and like I said lane is hittable so I think Justin Taffa finds the off switch again and we get a big crowd-pleasing knockout in Strayer so I will take Justin Taffa by knockout. Next up Manel Cape takes on Felipe dos Santos. Of course Manel Cape was due to face Kaikata France in a fight with huge ramifications for the division but Felipe dos Santos steps in on short notice and all of a sudden this fight kinda doesn't mean much. Cape is on a 3 fight win streak heading for a title shot and dos Santos is only 7 fights into his career making a massive jump to the main UFC card for his debut against a former world champion. A bit of a nasty one, slightly Chris Matinho versus Sean O'Malley-ish. Fighting out of shoot box, Diego Lima, one of the best Brazilian gyms right now. Santos has some excellent partners to train alongside. And like his teammate Charles Oliveira he fought himself out of poverty with mixed martial arts. He's very natural and very well rounded in the fight game but he has never fought someone with more than 7 bouts on the record. And now he is fighting a 24 fight long time veteran. A high class guy in Manel Cape. Honestly Cape is either going to find a massive knockout or just work his way to a decision win here. Your comment event of the evening some more big boys. Taito Ivasa takes on Alex Volkov. This one's banger, two long-time heavyweight mainstays, and one big-time fan favourite fighting in his backyard. Volkov and Tuivasa, weirdly enough, they're kind of each other's worst nightmare. Volkov struggles against shorter inside-fighting power punches, and Tuivasa has been finished a bunch of times by longer and more technical kickboxes, so that kind of makes this one a real toss-up for me. Against long guys, though, Tai does have the ability to find his way inside and hit those power hooks, so just for the image of Tuivasa doing a massive shooey in Sydney, I will take Tai Tuivasa by knockout. And your main event of the evening for all the marbles at middleweight, Israel Adesanya defends against Sean Strickland. Strickland does deserve a title shot, but him being 3 wins, 2 losses in his last 5 is kind of indicative of how Izzy has cleaned out this division. And honestly, Izzy has beaten guys who are better than Sean at what Sean likes to do. Costa was a powerful pressure boxer, but Tori as well, and with better wrestling than Sean. Strickland is the least powerful puncher Izzy's for as well. Obviously, Strickland is very comfortable in the firefight and he's happy to exchange, but I I just i just don't see how he wins this one Unless he goes full wrestling and gets Izzy down with the first shot, I just think he's going to have a really hard time in there and Izzy's going to be able to just counter strike him at will. I know it's a fight and anything can happen, but honestly, that's just my breakdown of it. Adesanya by TKO to remain the middleweight champion of the world. But what do you guys think? Please let me know. I know some people are kind of down on this pay-per-view. I do think some of the prelims have the capacity to be good fights. Thank you once again to all of our channel champions and Hall of Famers for making videos like this happen. If you want to join, Click that button down below, you get access to a whole bunch of exclusive stuff, including writers' meetings with Jason, Balian, and Tommy. If you want to have a go at me about my picks, you can find me on Twitter at Max underscore Randall, and please enjoy the pay-per-view.